don't start a slanging match or tell the inspector what you think of the government. Just use sweet reason if you must go and see him before I've recovered from this blasted back. The accountant had a slip disc. I always use sweet reason, the toff had replied with great dignity. Perhaps you do, the accountant conceded, but there's nothing like an inspector of taxes who sits like Buddha behind his desk and quotes the latest finance act at one to make a layman lose his temper. I shall not lose my temper, the toff had asserted. I must not lose my temper, he thought, as he took a firmer grip on a slender briefcase which slid down from beneath his arm. Then, in a flash of exasperation, he muttered, Where the devil is that lift? A man whom he had not heard approach spoke from one side. That in itself was enough to startle the toff who had heard no one approach. But here was the man on his left and a few inches further back. As the toff turned his head, the man said, It is probably held up by a taxpayer who has fainted after his interview. There was a glimmer of humour in his blue-grey eyes. The man had a pleasant face with broad features and a broad chin with an unexpected point. You wouldn't prove to be of such a frail nature, would you, Mr. Rollison? Rollison, a tall, lean, dark-haired, very handsome man with an air of the gallant about him, pursed his lips and replied, almost sure that he was right about the identity of this man, I am about to find out, Mr. Raines. I'm disappointed, returned Johnny P. Raines. I'd hoped you were coming to see me. Will you think me impertinent if I offer a little advice? Certainly not, but I can probably anticipate it, replied the toff, whose real name was the Honourable Richard Rollison. I must not lose my cool. Right, confirmed Johnny P. Raines. And at the same time, wrong. I can tell you in confidence that one income tax inspector, no longer with us, told me when we were together in the loo that he always regarded loss of temper as an indication of guilt or concealment, and as a result probed more deeply than he normally would. The new man hasn't said this so bluntly, but I suspect it's a general rule. Probably paragraph 7, subsection 18, page 12 of the Income Tax Inspector's Secret Manual. Oh, said Rollison, raising his eyebrows in surprise. Is there such a thing? I've never seen one, answered Johnny P. Raines, but I wouldn't be surprised if one doesn't exist. I shall look out for it, promised Rollison. Do tell me if you set eyes on it, pleaded the other. Ah, I hear the lift. Probably some chit of a girl child has been holding the gates open for her boss, who is doubtless dictating at furious speed to his secretary. Or on the telephone, replied Rollison. At that moment, the lift appeared in view, just above their heads. Inside were two pairs of legs, one pair trousered, one pair pantyhose. This pair was on tiptoe. It was a remarkable, not to say a beautiful, sight. 
The remarkable fact was the way those legs seemed to stretch, from small feet and nice ankles, up slender calves and even nice knees, to broadening thighs. The lift descended so slowly that the expanse of legs seemed to lengthen and lengthen. However, the girl wasn't all legs. She had a slim body pressed against a slender young man. They were in a close, kissing embrace, and apparently oblivious of the two men at the gates. The lift stopped. Johnny P. Rains opened the doors. The couple gave each other another hug, and then, arms intertwining in such a way that it seemed as if their bodies were, too, they came out. The girl looking up, and the boy looking down. It was doubtful whether they noticed either Rollison or Rains, who stood obligingly on one side. My! exclaimed Johnny.